Bienvenidos to the Centro Podcast from San Jose State University's Chicanx Latinx Student Success Center, where we learn from students, staff, faculty, and community partners to leverage collective assets and develop strategies for Chicanx Latinx student success. I am Rebecca Burciaga, the 2019-2020 Faculty Fellow at Centro and an Associate Professor of Educational Leadership and Chicana and Chicano Studies. In this episode, we speak with Dr. Mari Coco Castañeda and her teenage daughter, Lupita Castañeda Liles, co-founders of Becoming Mujeres, a firm that helps Latina teens and their female caregivers to translate cultural expectations into opportunities, and in particular, to teach Latina teens and women how to transgress oppressive gendered cultural expectations and become the mujeres that they were meant to be. Dr. Castañeda is the author of Our Lady of Everyday Life, La Virgen de Guadalupe, and the Catholic Imagination of Mexican Women in America. We'll also hear about Lupita's forthcoming children's book. We are so excited to have you here with us. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Uh, but I wanted to start with Dr. Casaneda. Tell us a little bit about your work and how you came to work uh, on your book. Mm-hmm. So my, the title of my book is Our Lady of Everyday Life, La Virgen de Guadalupe and the Catholic Imagination of Mexican Women in America. And um, I have, first of all, the title, Mexican Women in America, America referring to America as a continent, because my book is about women who, some of them were born in Mexico and came to the U.S., others were born here in the U.S. So uh, the book is, it's about three generations of Mexican origin women. The ages range from 18 to 82. And what I did is I divided the women into three different life cohorts young college women, mothers, and then older women. And I gave each of them, uh, well, I didn't give them a name. They themselves uh, named the groups. For example, the young, the young women, they would constantly refer to them as las mujeres. So I referred to them as las mujeres. The mother group, uh, they would uh, refer to themselves as las madres. So that's the name that I gave them, las madres. And then the older women, that was interesting because I would refer to them as las señoras and las abuelitas, and they would correct me, and they would say, no, no, las damas. Oh. <laughs> and they would say las damas, or the ladies would be the translation, so the, that older cohort is las damas. And the reason why I wrote this book is because I wanted to know more about what, what's it like to grow up Catholic. You know, I was, I'm, a, I'm a Catholic myself, but I wanted to know more about women from different generations, particularly um, looking at the life-giving things that come with Catholicism and the death-bearing ones as well. I always say that Catholicism is very life-giving, you know, the, the tradiciones like the 12th of December, Las Mañanitas, uh, Easter, Christmas, Los Tamales, they're beautiful traditions that bring family together, particularly around the kitchen, around food, tamales, uh, uh, you know, you, you name it, you know, different um, delicious dishes. But, uh, but aside from the tradiciones and the faith that comes with Catholicism, 
there are also death-bearing aspects of it. And I think that we also need to acknowledge that, that we have a responsibility to embrace what's life-giving, but also to call out what, uh, what is not right. And I wanted to know, in particular, the sciences around the women's bodies, around the body, sex, and sexuality. De lo que no se habla porque es pecado. So it was with that intention that I went and interviewed these three uh, groups of women. And you talk about the three groups. What are the differences or similarities between the generations? There are, there are, different, there are definitely uh, differences, and there are also similarities. But the differences is that I noticed, for example, around the, the topic of the menstrual cycle. When I interviewed the older women, las damas, they would constantly uh, say, all of them, that when they first had their, their menstrual cycle, they thought that they were going to die. Pensamos que nos íbamos a morir, they would say. And they felt that they couldn't ask anyone. They couldn't ask their mothers, they couldn't ask a sister, they couldn't ask anyone because it, it was something that had to do with down there, la parte privada. And they, they thought that even asking would be a form of a sin. So they kept it to themselves, and these women learn, eventually learn on their own. And to me, it, I think about it, and I say, okay, something, an experience that could have been uh, a very beautiful coming-of-age experience was very traumatic for these women. Questions that they had were never answered. Uh, with the mother generation, their experience with the menstrual cycle if there were there was more there was more openness, but there was the silence was still there. Uh, for example, they said we couldn't we never asked our mom, our mothers. But I asked an older sister or I asked my friend. So with the with the mother generation, las madres, what they did is that they they got created to find information about the menstrual cycle, but they asked other peers, other other young women who were going through the same thing. So again, it's like um, I suspect that a lot of that information was also misinformation because they were they were learning it from women their their own age. With the younger generation, the youngest group, the college uh, Latinas, they they said that their mothers did have a conversation about the menstrual cycle, but there was hesitancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did. So my mother, no, they were hesitant. No, she was hesitant to tell me about the menstrual cycle, and the conversations were very brief. They tended to be very brief. But what they mothers did did emphasize is no lo uses hasta que te cases. Oh yeah. Yeah. What do you think that was? <laughs> Tampons. Right. <laughs> is that don't use them until you until you get married, and that's what they say. Is like my my they always emphasize that no lo uses hasta que te cases, and and the young women they said like I don't I don't get it, and then I I. Um, in my analysis, I, I write that the reason or the, where the mothers were coming from by um, asking their daughters not to use tampons before they are married is because back in Mexico, back then, and in small pueblos and villages, there's still the case where if a, if a young woman marries uh, in the, at the, the night of the, the, the wedding night, the now husband finds out that she wasn't quote unquote a virgin because a hymen was ruptured, then he has every right to return the girl back to the parents. That was a custom, you know, back then, and I have done some reading, and the custom still, it's still true, unfortunately, in some smaller towns throughout Latin America, no, no más Mexico. So it's that fear, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's out of that fear that 
the husband's not going to want you because you're, you're technically not a virgin anymore. So those are some of the differences that I saw. So the silence still is still there, but there is more openness, and, and at least the, the young women, the las mujeres, they were more open to talk about it. Plus, these were, were college educated, so they have more they have access to resources, professors, the women's center on campus, uh, the different women's clubs on campus. So they had a lot more resources, felt more comfortable. Wow, how has this work impacted your own approach to your life work? Mm -hmm. It, it really has. It has, helped, it has helped me think a lot about, you know, I see myself, when I was uh, writing the book, I saw myself in the young women, mm -hmm. las mujeres, then I saw my, part of myself in las madres, and then, and then when I got to the, the older women, it's like, oh my God, I have a choice whether, you know, do I want to follow that trajectory of las damas in, in how they continue to experience life and Catholicism, or do I want to make changes? So for me, it has, it's almost it held the mirror um, right in front of my face. And one of the questions that came about for me, that came up, uh, came about out of this work, is that every time I'm about to do or something, or if I'm at a crossroads of a decision, I always ask myself, what would the 80-year-old self tell me to do now? Because right, you know, sometimes we say we take, we make decisions based on okay, this is what's right right now, but we don't think of long term consequences. And it's like okay, imagine yourself eighty year old, eighty years old. What would that Rebecca, that Lupita, that Mari tell you now? Yeah. So so that's that's one of the questions that uh, I I was able to um, or one of the gifts that the, that the women uh, told me. And let me tell you uh, a story. Uh, so I'm a, the book is based on stories, so it's very story driven. You know, it's an academic book, but it's it, the women are the women are the ones that, that drive the pace and, and the uh, of the book. There's um, a woman I, who I met recently. She must have been in her mid sixties. She told me about how she lost her husband twelve years ago, and she said, "Is like, and I, I have a lot of questions, and, and I don't know who to ask." Okay, so she's a 60, 65 plus. I don't know who to ask, so what I do? And so, oh my God, she said, it's so embarrassed, embarrassing, but I'll tell you, because I trust you. So I go to, to the magazine rack, and I, and I buy the Allure magazine, or Vogue magazine, and then I flip through the pages to, to find out more about the body, about women's bodies, and other questions that, that I have. And then she also added, so, and I feel like I'm ready to date. Okay, so she lost her husband 12 years ago, and she says, I'm finally ready to date, but I can't because I have my mom's voice in my head. Wow. And I'm like, what does that voice tell you? So that voice tells me that you only married once. So to me, you know, as a mother, those, yeah. those stories, what they tell me is that whatever I tell my child, it, it'll have a lasting impact. And it's my choice to make it a positive or a negative. Porque esa voz de madre, it's still there. I, mean, I have my mom's voice. <laughs> we, we all have that, mom, our, that mom's voice always creeps in, especially when we're, we, we want to do something and we're not sure. So uh, to me, that's also another life lesson that I, that I learned from the women. Wow. It's so clear hearing about your book and hearing about the work and the mujeres, the damas and the madres. 
how that's really informed the work that you're doing now with Lupita. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we transition, I want to know if you could share how readers might or how listeners might get uh, a hold of your book. Yes, so the book is available through the publisher, uh, um, Oxford University Press, or through Amazon. So all you have, if you just type Our Lady of Everyday Life, the, the book, the, the, the subtitle is pretty long. But if you type Our Lady of Everyday Life on Amazon, the book will, will pop up. And another thing that I wanted to, uh, to share with you about the, the three different generations is, uh, is a story from the book. Because I think that this, this story in particular uh, really encapsulates what, what um, the, the purpose of the book and the work that now I'm doing with Lupita, which is to nurture inter- intergenerational uh, dialogue. So this story that I want to share with you, it comes from Anita, who at the time I interviewed her was 21, a uh, Chicana, Chicana feminist, self-identified Chicana feminist. So I'm going to go ahead and, and read you Please, the, the you. story. So Anita, uh, age 21, is a self-identified Chicana feminist. Her self-confidence and vibrant personality quickly grabbed my attention. She has a type of energy and enthusiasm that draws people to her when she enters a room. She is funny and outspoken, which made me wonder if she came from a family of women who, as we say in Spanish, no tienen pelos en la lengua, they have an overt and an assertive personality. As we began our interview, I asked her to tell me a little bit about her relationship with her mother and abuelita. She laughs and tells me that she grew up close to her mother and grandmother. I ask if there was any tension between them, and with a big belly laugh, Anita proceeds to share this particular story. We, meaning her abuelita, her mother, and Anita, we were sitting at the kitchen table. I got up and left to go to the bathroom, and I found out I got my period. So yo muy casualmente, you know, I went out of the bathroom and I told my mom, ya viene, all week, porque ya me bajo la regla. And my grandmother starts freaking out. Que por qué? She told me. Ay, de esas cosas no se hablan, muchachita. You don't talk about those things. And I'm like, I'm like, una, estoy hablando con mi mamá. First of all, I'm speaking with my mom. I don't be, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but that was very, that was very awkward, you know. I was like, lady, I don't know why you're flipping out. And this happens every month, you know, and until you hit menopause, it was happening to you to you too. Later on, both explained to me that she, meaning the grandmother, was very much raised with the belief that si no se puede decir en la iglesia, no se puede decir en ninguna otra parte. If you cannot talk about it in church, you cannot talk about it anywhere else. So to me, this story is very powerful because what could have led to a very awful and ugly argument uh, among these three women uh, was an opportunity. It was, it was um, a cultural expectation of silence that was turned into an opportunity to, to learn and to learn about, about how her mother and grandmother grew up. Because sometimes we're, we are so easy, we, we are very easily moved to judge our mother, especially as we're growing up as teenagers. When they tell you, esa falda está muy corta, you know, that skirt is too short, or those shorts, uh-uh-uh, or that cleavage, no señorita, así no. And sometimes, no, as, as young women, we're like, oh, 
es muy anticuada. She's such an old school. And then you get into arguments. And, and sometimes those arguments lead to silence uh, that can last days, weeks, sometimes months, if not more, depending on the gravity. Uh, so for me, is one question that I always have is like, okay, well, how did my mother, how did my grandmother learn to be a woman? Because it's from that social location that they are making these remarks. So it really doesn't have anything to do with you, but how they learn to be women. And I think as young generations, young college students, if we see things that way, if we see this, these cultural expectations as an opportunity to ask questions, mm. um, it can be, it can lead to a very beautiful relationship. Yeah. And you know, and if, and I'm not saying you know, most likely. Parents are not going to change. No, mothers are going to change. They're very set in their ways, but at least to understand where you're, where, where they're coming from. Yeah, that's what a beautiful segue into your mm -hmm. work right now, becoming mujeres. I'm hoping that maybe both of you could tell us a little bit about what is becoming mujeres' yes. purpose. Yeah. So, well, becoming mujeres um, came about this um, th this last year, um, and it came about for because of one incident that happened to Lupita at her school when she was in middle school. And what happened was that she, one day, she came home and she was very upset, she was very sad and, and puzzled because one of her good friends that she knew from kinder uh, told her or, or made some very awful body shaming remarks. And she was also socially excluded uh, by, other, by other friends. And she just couldn't understand why. And you know, and to me, as first and foremost, as a mother, and then as a feminist, and, and as an academic, I, I felt really helpless. It's like I had all these tools, I had all the reading, I've done all the research, I have written a book, and here I found myself with my daughter devastated and me not knowing what to do. So it was very heartbreaking for me. It broke me into you know a million and one pieces. But after we both talked and we uh, we wanted, we, that's when the idea of Becoming Mujeres uh, came about. Uh, Becoming Mujeres, I bought the domain about a year before we actually started, but I had it and I just, I remember sitting and I didn't know like, how to give it shape, I, it, so I had it sitting there, but it was not until Lupita went through this experience that everything came together for me. And I said, okay, this is what we're gonna do. And so Becoming Mujeres is an organization that we provide um, workshops and seminars to organizations, schools, community agencies, um, student groups about topics that range from intergenerational dialogue, family and cultural expectations, body shaming and social exclusion. Some of the workshops are geared towards uh, junior high students and, and high school students. And in those workshops, Lupita and I co-lead the workshops. So I give more of the general background of the subject and then she comes in and then she shares her part based on her stories and she could tell you more, a little, more about it. And to me, what I've noticed is that when, I, when I'm up there with the junior high uh, girls or young women, they listen to me, you know, and I, and I know, and I, I could read the looks. And it's like, okay, so she's kind of like my mother. So, you know, like as I, I heard that, been there, done that. But then Lupita comes in, and then and then she you no know, she takes over, and it's almost like, okay, now I'm ready to listen yeah. because it's someone that they can relate to. Yeah. So, uh, Adam, do you want to yeah, share with great. us what what you 
So what I basically do is I uh, share what my experiences, but I also use the experiences of my friends and girls from other workshops. And as I'm giving them advice how to overcome this negativity, it's almost as if I'm going with them to push past these insecurities that other girls are trying to put on them. So that's basically what my mother and I do. And there's also workshops that she gives to um, the adults and I, come, I occasionally come along, but I mainly give the workshops to the junior high and high school um, students. And what do you want them to take away from these workshops? What I want them to take away is that I just hope that they learn to push past negativity or what I like to say is like let the negativity flow past them because what girls who are insecure want to do is that they want to put their insecurities on other people and I'm telling them to be stronger than that and not let them do that because it's exactly what they want to do and it could be detrimental to their mental health and it's devastating for me because if I'm seeing that it's almost as if I'm going through that with them because when I see that, it reminds me when I was sad and I was depressed when everyone was excluding me and as what I want to say is like I would never want to wish that on my worst enemy. It's just if we want to go as a community, we have to accept that these are the people we're surrounding ourselves with. Those are great skills. That So junior high in particular, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I also understand that you just finished a manuscript. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, the book is supposed to be called I Now Smile More, and it's based on my experience of having divorced parents, but not focusing on the negativity, but looking at the positive aspects. And the whole, well, my main goal of the book is to show other kids that just because your parents are divorced does not mean that your family is split apart. And in reality, your family is just growing bigger. And to know is that your parents, both of them, they still love you. It's just that they just found a, to go their separate ways. So. And what was the process like of, of writing a book? My goodness, you're still in school, juggling other responsibilities. I began writing it during the summer because I just had all these ideas coming into my head and finally accepting that I'm like happy where I am. And even though my parents are divorced, I am still happy and I just found the divorce actually making me more open because before I used to be an introvert but now it's like I'm more excited, I talk to my friends more and even through becoming mujeres I have actually been more open in talking with other people. I'm not afraid to share my experiences. Wow, yeah. Thank you. That's amazing. What are some tips and tools that you could suggest for our students here at San Jose State? Okay, so uh, for me, coming um, you know, based on my experience as a mother and, and you know, um, the stories that I've heard from, from these three different generations, is um, to when there are disagreements in, in a family, um, in especially for you know, whatever reason, or if, if they criticize the the, the, the son, the daughter, him for multiple reasons, is that, um, you know, first, if, if, it, if the circumstances allowed, you know, ask, you know, why, instead of closing the door, ask questions, you know, why, try to understand where the, the parent or the person is coming from. But at the end, uh, for me, is what it comes down to, is that your parents, they you know, ultimately they want the best for you, and the consejos, the advice that they're or how they see the world or how they like to see your world, it's it's based on their own social location, their own experiences, 
Uh, but that doesn't mean that that you that they're going to work for you. So you know, thank them for the advice. But ultimately, to me, I'd say is that do what's best for you. Uh, pursue your own happiness. That I think that most of us, especially Latinos, Latinas in particular, you know the the phrases, you know, calladita te ves más bonita. O que va a decir la gente? No, no, de eso no se habla. Or the other one, you know, las muchachas de su casa no andan de locas. No, no, not, good girls don't, are not out there clubbing. So, you know, we grew up with these, with these phrases. And, and while, you know, the, our parents mean well, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work. And, it's, and to me, you know, as a consejo, again, as a mother and as an academic would be pursue what makes you happy. Whatever, whatever that may be, um, and because um, ultimately that's that's what matters. You know, to me is is your own happiness because no one no one's gonna create that happiness for you. It it's you, and sometimes you know that happiness comes in very twisted ways. You know, or sometimes you know we uh, our parents think that one thing is, uh, it's, or for example, studying a certain major will make us happy when in fact we want to study something else because that's what something that I, I saw a lot at Santa Clara University students who said like oh like I'm, I'm I'm studying biology but I really want to study you know political science but my parents you know I don't know how to tell them and I would say it's like you know you know let them know and ultimately like do what what you like because yeah. it's it's your life yeah yeah vivieron ellos su vida I, you know, I appreciated our conversation offline too. One of the things that um, we've experienced uh, here at San Jose State and many other places is students who are afraid to come out to their parents or students who are still really questioning their sexuality and trying to find their place. What would you have? What could you say to them? For them, I would say that you know, to if again, if when um, when they are ready to you know to have that conversation uh, with your with the parents and you know however however they, res they respond not to let that affect uh, affect them personally i mean because sometimes you know parents intentionally or unintentionally impose a sense of shame you know and that's not right you know there is nothing shameful about love however love looks for you and to me is is that again is that if, if the situation permits and if you already have a conversation um, to with your parents you know as um, you know, traditional Latinos no como forma de respeto but whether they agree with you or not is not going to dictate that you're going to change to please them no 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 you know you live your life love who you want to love and yeah and, and this is a mother. A Catholic feminist <laughs> telling you, okay, it, that but to me, peace and happiness is what's most important. People are always going to talk, you know, and they'll talk one day and then they'll forget the next day. So we don't we don't have the luxury to carry shame. No. Beautiful. Thank you. Your work resonates uh, with so many people, but I think in particular on campus, uh, are there opportunities for them to get involved or connect with you directly? Yeah, they can definitely, uh, well, our, they can go to our website, becomingmujeres.com, and um, and you'll find the information there, or you, and 
we have our phone number, we have our email address, and once we have workshops again, because the, the ones that we had set up, we had set up conferences lined up, but everything got canceled for, uh, for us. And so, but once we have um, the um, more workshops in the coming months, we'll definitely let them know. Uh, if the students are interested for us to come and, and talk to them, you know, and have, share more about our book, or about becoming mujeres, that's something that we would you know, love to do as well. Or just have cafecito and a conversation. That'd be great for our faculty as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, that'd be wonderful. Um, I wanted to um, ask Lupita, is what advice would you give um, to, to the students? Well, like you said already, just do what makes you happy. And if anyone's gonna try to pull you down, just let that negativity flow past you. Because whatever makes you happy, just do it. As long as you're not bringing others down, just do what you want to do. Wow, what a beautiful note to end on. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Hasta pronto.